Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another week at Fill in the Blank Podcast. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> I thought that? she you was going to say fill in the blank. I was, you said, going pew, to, pew, pew. I was going to, and then I was like, nah, the wind is blowing in that other direction. So I said, How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Oh, okay. There's a pause there. <laughs> because I'm back to work. Today oh. is my first day back at work. How long have you been out for a week? Yeah, practically. So on Monday and Tuesday, I had to go into work, but mm-hmm. it was um, the kids weren't there. It was parent-teacher conferences. Have you ever heard of parent-teacher conferences being two days? What, do they split it up? Yes. Do all the parents have to show up both times? No. Oh, well, then that makes sense. But why would you do it the week of Thanksgiving? That don't make sense. That was so messed up. And it was practically empty. And I came and didn't nobody come and see me. Didn't nobody want to see me. I felt like I should have opened up like a schedule. And if nobody... Then you booked didn't me, have to go. I should have been like, nobody I mean, wants to see me. that kind of makes sense. Maybe you learn your lesson for next year. But no. <laughs> First of all. <laughs> I just wanted to throw it there out there. There won't be a next year. I just wanted to throw it out there. There won't be a next said. year at the school. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. But uh, that's just crazy. They wouldn't let me do that even if I did do that. They really? Did. Oh, well, I guess you got it. It's the control. The, yeah. oh, we need you. Yeah. <laughs> Violet's in there cutting up. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. And I got a cat. Yeah, Kayla got a cat and she's already hating it. I just think that. I don't think Kayla's a cat uh, or a pet owner. That's what I think is more so is. I think that I love animals. I love pets. I love all kinds of animals and pets. (laughs) But when it disrupts my peace. Which is often. Which is often. I literally, when I went to counseling Mm -hmm. on last Tuesday, Mm -hmm. I spent the whole hour talking about the cat. Wow, Kayla. In counseling. Wow. And my ca- my counselor was ask- asking me, why is this such a threat to me? Like, why is this triggering me so bad? Yeah. And I was like, I think it's because my work life isn't peaceful. So then when I come home and I still don't have peace and I have her like. I mean, she's just another thing that's requiring yes. something of you. So I, I mean. I just. I get it. The capacity is just very that's limited. That's Maybe you're just not a pet owner at heart. Yes. I agree. I agree. But. I do love her. Like, I cuddle with her all the time. She's so So cute. it's not like I'm like... Y'all, she is the most affectionate freaking cat. And she's so sweet. She reminds me so much of Mama, but but maybe a little bit more... Well, she's more affectionate with strangers. That's what it is. She's just more upfront with her yeah. affection. Mama like, it takes her a couple as, seconds. Yeah. Like, let me see you. Let me smell you. Oh, okay. Mama was just... Mama was that affectionate, though, but with only me. Only you. Yeah. Which was also a lot. Yeah. Because she would be constantly yelling at me. And that's the thing. I can't take the yelling. Like, she literally jumps on the bed and stares at me in the face and goes, Yeah! I'm like... (laughs) What? Mama used to escalate to the point where she'll just take her paw and just keep tapping me. Oh, yeah. And that's her other thing. When she's cuddling, she wants to put her paw on you. So, she'll cuddle and then she'll be like... (laughs) <laughs> or she'll put it right in your face yep. I'm like girl what Like you want to be inside of my skin it's You can't love. be any closer It's love It's so cute Anyways how are you doing? I'm good You're good? I'm really how was good. your Thanksgiving? It was good I drove home on Wednesday uh, And I, I went to like four different homes mm-hmm. I was hopping all over the place mm-hmm. I got to spend time with my bio family My other side of the family My 
adoptive parents. And then I got to see uh, the woman who raised me and kicked me out of the house. What? Yes, I'm in a I'm in a phase in an era of uh, reconciliation. Uh-huh. So I've been, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, reattaching the bridge yeah so how did that go people. oh it's fine i mean i saw her and then it, we i mean right back into familiarity so she was Aww. sick and she was like on the bed and i just went straight behind her i just started cuddling and we Aww. just started talking yeah so it's i mean the issue isn't like the there's no tension when we talk or anything it's just at the end of the day like realizing like she hasn't really changed so like mm. if she ever had that position in my life again she would do the same thing mm-hmm. uh but i think i've realized like she'll never have that position in my life anymore so yeah. i think like i mean it's fine to kind of accept her into my life into the fold but mm. uh keep her at a distance yeah just like knowing the boundaries yeah and i think i'm finally finding the balance of what that looks like for me because i haven't really had her in my life for years yeah. despite her even trying but mm-hmm. i'm just like i don't want it yeah. But now I'm back in the space where I'm like, you know what? I think I feel like healthier enough and uh, safe and comforted within myself to kind of allow her in my space without mm-hmm. feeling some type of way or without being spiteful or without feeling the pain all over again mm-hmm. or, you know, being untrusting. Like she going you know, yeah. do her station. Like I'm, I'm just like content within myself. So I'm like, okay. It's like that aspect that I just talked about that my counselor asked me in counseling about like, where's the threat like you know so being able to feel like you know now that safety is within yourself and Mm -hmm. you don't have to rely on her or other people for that necessarily so you can be like okay like we can have a some sort of relationship but it won't be like what it was like before obviously yeah Yeah. that's good yeah wow well that kind of leads into today's episode oh because we are Talking about childhood, kind (laughs) of. What a great topic. Fun. (laughs) Uh, So this is an episode that I've been really, really wanting to do because one of my favorite podcasts, as I have talked about before, is The Friend Zone. Mm -hmm. And they did an episode with this topic. And it was just, it's just such an interesting topic that I think that people don't often bring up. Um about being the good kid mm. and the effects of growing up as the good kid and wanting to be good in your parents' eyes and how that has impacted you in life. Mm-hmm. So my first question is, who were you as a child? Would you categorize yourself as a good kid? I think I was for a long period of time. I think it wasn't until high school where I started to kind of buck back. But like mm-hmm. all leading up to that, I was a really good kid. Mm-hmm. Pretty mild mannered. Uh, didn't really talk back a lot. Didn't really express my opinion much at all. Mm-hmm. Or say no. Or mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just I was an obedient child. Yeah, that's what it was. I think that that falls into the category of the good child, like the That's child that is good, yeah. obedient because of the fact that children are supposed to have a rebellious stage. Like yeah. it's quite natural because they're trying to find their voice and they're trying to understand themselves better. But when parents don't allow it, mm-hmm. that's where the the good child syndrome comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um I think that I might have said this before, but I was definitely the good child. I was the one that just listened to what I was supposed to do and did it. Talk smack behind my parents' back, but I never really said anything 
to them to their faces. Yeah. Maybe every blue moon I would muster up the courage to say something. They would put me like right back into place. Mm. So I definitely feel like I grew up with being the good child and I can see some impacts of that today. Don't you have a definition of like what the good child syndrome is? Mm -hmm. I'm going to get to it in a second. But before we get there, I want to know, especially because your childhood was like you had different homes and different people that you call parents. So mm -hmm. who did you feel the need to impress as a child? Um, Both. Not well, all all of them, <laughs> mm -hmm. all of them. Uh, my bio mom, when I lived with her up until I was nine, uh, usually it was more so of instead of like, I just want to be a good kid to not rock the boat. I didn't want to upset her in any way. So it was a lot of like teeter tottering and just like reading her mood most of the time. And then like with Kim, it was like, I didn't want to disappoint her. Uh, mm -hmm you know, super strict lady. Yeah. Uh, and then my parents, it was uh, also the same. I didn't want to disappoint them, but only because I felt like I owed them so much because they had taken me in. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I felt all all of them. You wanted to impress them. Yeah, all of them to an extent, whether I, I leaned into that or not. But yeah. The desire was there. Even, even with me being rebellious, that came out of spite of mm -hmm. that feeling. So That's so interesting. I feel like when I was younger... I was closer with my mom's side of the family, mm -hmm. but I didn't feel the need to impress them. Yeah. At all. Like, well, did they have like a really strong impact on your life? Like, mm -hmm. like heavy, like they could make a decision and like, that's it. They could, but I think that it was just more so that they were more accepting of who I was as a person mm -hmm. um, versus growing up. My dad and my stepmom were very like strict and yeah. I had to do things a certain way in order for them to in order to feel, I guess, accepted by them at points. Yeah, that wasn't all the time, but a good chunk of my childhood. I remember it being that way. But on my mom's side, I just felt more accepted for who I was like. Mm -hmm. So I didn't necessarily feel like I had to go above and beyond to make them like me or mm -hmm. feel like I had to impress them. I felt like they were just impressed with me being me, but yeah. I didn't have that as much on my dad's side of the family. Okay. So did you feel that way toward your actual, like for your mom herself, or was it just like that side of the family? Nope. I didn't feel like that towards my mom. I didn't feel like I had to impress her at all. She okay. was, she was so very impressed with my existence alone mm -hmm. that I literally did not have to extend myself. Like I would do the things that made me feel happy and mm -hmm. she would be impressed by those things, but it wasn't my goal in doing the things that I like to impress her, if that makes sense. Like yeah. I was never really that kid. Like I'm going to make my mom proud. Like yeah. I'm going to make them feel proud. It was just more so like, I'm going to do what I like. You. You're just being you. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's like uh Almost good self-esteem. It is. I mean, I think that that's what childhood should be like. But mm -hmm. I think that so many people, especially from our generation, I feel like this upcoming generation is growing up very differently. Mm -hmm. But I think our generation was in between the parents growing out of like extremely strict parents. Like, yeah. And you know, they were doing the best according to what they were given at that time. But it was still... The strictness was still like yeah. overarching and it could be very overbearing. Yeah. Facts. Okay. So. Oh, suffocating. Very self suffocating. <laughs> Jesus. So what do you feel like your parents' parenting style was? I feel like we talked about this before. We though. have. Um, I think with my bio mom, it was very neglectful. With my, with Kim, it was, um, 
it was very authoritarian. Mm. Very authoritarian. Mm. And then my parents is like a more authoritative. I think my dad alone would have been authoritarian, but with the balance of my mom is authoritative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So for those of you who might not know or are new here and you don't know what parenting styles are, um, the one that Ayana is talking about, neglectful, or it could be called permissive, is setting rules, but rarely enforcing consequences. Oh, rarely enforcing. Consequences are rare. And child will learn best with little interference from you. Um, the authoritative style, which is different from authoritarian, like what she was saying, authoritative is emphasis on creating and maintaining positive relationship with, sorry, y'all, Asia's crawling on the floor, um, positive relationship with child. Um, they explain the reasons behind the rules and they set limits, enforce rules, and give consequences, but the child's feelings are prioritized. The authoritarian, I actually didn't write down, but that's just basically that uh, it's very strict. I am the parent. You are the child. You don't speak. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And that's it. That's, what I say goes. That's it. Um, it so it's that that aspect of like, a kid asks why and the parent says, because I said so. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah, that's that. Um, so I feel like I grew up on my dad's side with authoritarian. It was very much so because I said so. You're going to mm-hmm. do what I say because I'm the parent and you're the child and you listen to me. And I know best. I know best because you're a kid and you don't have a brain. Pretty um, much. <laughs> but on my mom's side, I think it was more... Um, It was authoritarian, but it also leaned a little bit into permissive Hmm. because my mom was like, she loved me so much that sometimes she had a hard time upholding the consequences. Like Hmm. she, like my Nana talks about it today. Like me and her almost were like sisters, like because of the fact that we were just so close. Like that definitely sounds like permissive. Yeah. So she would try to discipline me. Um, and it wouldn't always work. So uh, what was it like the illusion of the authoritarian, but it, at the core of it is just permissive? Yeah, but the reason why I say authoritarian is because my mom did take the time to sit down and talk to me about consequences. So mm-hmm. I grew up in the household with my mom and my nana and my papa. And so a lot of times, like if my mom had a hard time, like actually enforcing the rules, they would. Mm -hmm. And my mom would sit me down and be like, this is the reason why this is happening. Like when you do this, it leads to this. So it's like, she had the, the skill sets of authoritarian, but she had a hard time, like actually enforcing the rules, but she had help to enforce the rules. So that's why I'm like, it was a little bit permissive, but she still was very much so like she understood that I needed consequences. It wasn't like she didn't want me to receive consequences. Mm-hmm. She just had a hard time enforcing them herself. Okay. So authoritative grandparents and sometimes permissive mom, if left her by mm-hmm. herself. Okay. Got mm-hmm. it. Got it. So, yeah, but that leads me to what you were asking about before. Oh, wait. Actually, before I go there, um, how did you feel about your parenting style? Did it make you feel resentful in any types of ways because of the parenting style you grew up with? Yes. 
with in all what ways? of them. <laughs> Literally okay, go down them. the list. Go on, open that uh, cutlery. <laughs> go down the um, list. With my mom, I was resentful because I'm like, I need you to be a real mom. Uh, with Kim, it was... Should I say her name? With... <laughs> Whatever. They don't know her last name. They don't. With Kim, it was, um, I'd like to be an individual. I'd like to have a brain for myself. Mm-hmm. I'd like to have a voice. And I started to get very resentful by like middle schoolish is where it started. Started, And then by high school, I was full-blown resentful, just angry. Just like rage and mode. rage Arr. mode, yeah. Uh, that's when I started talking back. And that's when like, yeah. So you started that in high school? I started that late high school. Okay. Yeah, on my way out. Yeah. Um, And then with my parents, I think, you know what? Maybe that wasn't resentful. I think I was just very fearful with them because of what I had experienced with Kim. So mm-hmm. any form of like them putting their foot down or setting a boundary would like send me off the... Well, it wasn't send me off. I wasn't... I wasn't a bad kid, but I would just be really upset about it. Yeah. And I'd be in my room not socializing with anybody. I think from the ways that you've explained your relationship with your parents Mm. now, it's more so because of the fact that you didn't necessarily experience their parenting style Mm -hmm. growing up. So then once they tried to do it, you were like, I'm grown. That's what I was saying. I I did what they asked me to do because like technically like they took me in and I felt indebted to them. Yeah. But it wasn't because it wasn't like out of some love for them mm-hmm. or anything i was just like i owe you so i feel like i have to do this yeah um at least that's how it started and now it's like i respect their opinion mm-hmm. i i respect but it, but that's because i've had uh now a decade to get to know them as people yeah. and i'm like okay you're good people yeah um and because of that i love you and i respect you yeah you've developed a bond with them enough that it's like okay like i want to hear what you yeah. have to say now but moving in as an adult where i'm like i feel like i already know myself well enough i feel yeah. like i know what i want to do so anything y'all got to tell me i'm not gonna listen to it's it. already hard enough i feel like in the teenage years yeah. because that's normally when like kids start to get very like i'm grown mm-hmm. vibes so i can't imagine at that point where you're like really adult. yeah you're you're an I'm adult 22 years old they're giving me a curfew my dad is like who are you talking to and i'm like it's none of your business yeah <laughs> like i'm grown we missed the stage already that's like, like <laughs> that's how i felt like you you skipped some stages yeah my dad. maybe you should take a step back that's so funny yeah i feel like um Actually, I feel not necessarily resentful, but I have I have been in reflection of how those things have impacted me. So I'm not necessarily resentful is not the right word because Mm -hmm. I don't harbor the emotions, but it's just more so like I think I was resentful of my dad Mm -hmm. for a very long time because they raised me so like so strict. You felt like you had missed out on a lot. I felt like I missed out on a lot and I felt like it stunted my confidence. Oh my God. Heavy on the stunting your growth. Yeah. It just, because of the fact that they were so strict and I had to rely so heavily on Mm -hmm. them that then when I grew into adulthood and it was like, okay, it's time for you to make your own choices now. I was just like, (laughs) I can't. Like, I've gotten so many rules my entire life. Like, what do you want me to do? You don't know how to govern yourself. You don't Mm -hmm. know how to discipline yourself. You don't know how uh, how to say no sometimes you don't know how to make your own choices all the things. you don't know how to have direction like it's, all the things it fucks you up it really but. really does but you know what 
I did start like now that I'm getting older and I'm thinking about, you know, when I actually have kids, Mm -hmm. I think that I do because I used to like romanticize the way that my mom parented me Mm -hmm. when I was younger. But now that I'm older and I think about the way that I want to parent my own children and I see like I have a deeper understanding of what my dad was doing and I have appreciation for that Mm -hmm. as well as having appreciation for my mom I still recognize like the weak points in that because of the fact that I struggle with structure Mm -hmm. and I think that that struggle with structure came from these two different parenting styles that I was receiving yeah and my dad was so like so structured that I was resentful of that because I had a different experience on my mom's side. Mm-hmm. Like it was very like free, like comparison. Yeah, yeah. Like I was very free and I felt very confident mm-hmm. when I was with them. Like I would do my thing. Like they let me go. Let me have friends over. Like, and crazy enough and long term, that wouldn't have been good for you. All that, that, freedom. all that freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, granted, I don't think that I would have had that much freedom because my mom still wasn't like, yeah, let let me do whatever type of thing. But I do see the negatives of her being kind of like a pushover. Mm -hmm. I didn't like when I think back to it and I think back how to how I treated my dad and my stepmom versus how I treated my mom. Mm -hmm. I feel like I didn't as a child, I didn't fully respect her. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't respect what she said because I knew she wasn't going to do anything. And I'm like, I don't want that type of dynamic and relationship with my children. Like I want them to respect me. I want them to feel it's a delicate balance because you want them to respect you, but then you also want them to understand the boundaries and be like, okay, look, like love you mean it. And we can kiki have a good time, but I'm also not your little friend (laughs) because we got some raising to do. I feel like it's a good thing to grow to that point with Mm -hmm. your parent, you know, like you can have friendship with them, but to be like to the point where you almost cross lines mm-hmm. because you're that comfortable. I think that that's where it gets a little mixy. I think I, I, I'm not even sure if it's like friendship. I think it's, it's, it's good for a child to like admire their parent to, to feel familial, familiar with their parent. But mm-hmm. friendship is like, that's another thing. Can, can you really be friends with somebody who can tell you, no, you can't do that. <laughs> I mean, it I think in a know, level of respect and just like almost a boundary there for a minute. I yeah. would know because I, I, I didn't grow up with like parents, parents. Yeah. I think my, well, my dad, he made that boundary very clear to me mm-hmm. as a child. That's the reason why it's so, it's so different where we are in our relationship now. It's like we are friends. Mm-hmm. But when I was younger, he made, he continued to say that to me. I am not your friend. Yeah. Like, I want you to understand we are not friends. Like, I have a job. Mm-hmm. I am trying to raise you into being a good person, a good human. And that is all that I care about. And yeah. I think that there is something missed in that when you don't have friendship with your child. Like, yeah. you should have a certain level of friendship. Yeah, because you want them to feel comfortable enough to come to and come tell you things. You. Yeah. But if you hear, I'm not your friend, then it's like, I'm not telling you shit. And then you constantly being reminded about it. It's like, exactly. all right, I get it. Exactly. Get it. Versus my mom, I told her everything. Mm-hmm. Like, if she was alive during the time that I had, like, lost my virginity and all the things, mm-hmm. like, I probably would have told her. Yeah. I probably would have been like, hey, uh, this is what happened. Yeah. So that that's how close I felt with her. Okay. So Delicate balance. now we're going to go into finally actually... Uh, giving the definition for good child syndrome, because it is a syndrome. 
And I was kind of, I didn't know that it was a whole syndrome. I just thought it was like a thing. Could you Google this? Yeah, I Googled it. <laughs> well, I was doing research about growing up as the good child oh, I and I, I found good child syndrome. Okay. So it says good child syndrome refers to a child who aims to meet their parents' expectations the whole the whole time and be an angel in their parents' eyes. They feel they always need to meet whatever is asked of them. They tend to work hard at keeping their parents' love and learn that bad behavior will meet their parents' disapproval. This puts in their minds that they always have to work hard for affection. And that's from teensavers.com. Um, so did this cause you, if you feel like in ways you were the good child at some point, do you feel like it caused you to act out in private or did you truly stick to being good? Ooh. Ooh, ooh, I was living like double lives. Mm -hmm. That's I what was I was like doing too. One way in front of uh, my parents or Kim. Mm -hmm. And then I was another way with like friends at church. I was another way with friends at school. Like I was having all of these separate lives. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt too. Like I felt like I was scared. Like I didn't push the envelope too much because I knew who my parents were. And yeah. I was like, there are some things that I just cannot do because if I do this and I get found out, it's mm -hmm. like, it's over. Like yeah. I'm over with, but I do feel like there were times that I would masterfully come up with lies to tell them mm -hmm. because I knew that I couldn't be honest. And that no also lie. wasn't great. I was, I learned to lie too then, but I would, I'd be a pretty bad liar though. but I, I learned to lie then and I would lie about stupid stuff me too just out of fear of like getting in trouble me or too. how they're gonna or how she was gonna react like I would lie about really dumb stuff yeah but I feel like that's a that's an effect of like of the good child syndrome because of the fact that you don't necessarily feel comfortable to tell your parent the truth I even agree. if it's not that big of a deal you feel like you almost have to lie about everything I agree and that's how I felt I would lie about the small smallest things like things that really should not have been that big of a deal I would just lie about it it was my natural inclination to lie Same. I was like I can't tell them the truth Same. so before I would get myself in situations I would think about all of the <laughs> all of the things that they might say to me and I came up with comebacks to all those things Same. <laughs> that's so bad it is bad that's, that's why I don't lie now because I've like I've just learned like I can't do that you did too much as a child. I did too much as a child. And then she would make me feel so dumb and stupid about it. Because she'd be like, why would you lie about it? That's the dumbest thing to lie Ooh. about. She'd be like, that's stupid. This is stupidest lie. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, my parents would interrogate me. Like, I used to be in full-blown interrogation because I grew up with you detective parents. See, and that's what I could. I, if I had two cams, I'd be like, no. They literally <laughs> used to have me sitting on the end of their bed and they would be sitting on the opposite end facing each other and they would it's they would tactic. talk for hours they would talk for hours and I would just sit there and start crying I'd be like I don't know what y'all want me to tell you but I would either lie or the alternative was I just wouldn't say anything at all yeah so then they would ask me questions and my only response is I don't know Oh, I used to love. Imagine how frustrating that is because I hate that now. I'd be so pissed off if I'm asking my child you a question say, I and don't know. I don't know. That's when she started saying, "What do you know?" <laughs> like shit, nothing. I'm pretty sure she thought I was slow for real. <laughs> nothing. I don't know nothing. 
Okay, so Teen Savers also shared that the dangers of good child, or as some call it, perfect child syndrome, is that children learn to suppress their true self, their emotions, and hold secrets away from their parents, like we just said. They are often on the receiving end of more abuse and find it hard to stand up for themselves. Mm. For some children, this can lead to a withdrawal from society because of the fear of not being good enough. Oh my God. Yep. Wow. That's that was is that that's me? All, that was all of my twenties. Yeah. All of my twenties is learning learning all of that about myself. Yeah. And how to stop it. <laughs> I feel like it. I feel like it was my my teen years mm-hmm. because I was trying to like suppress myself. And I feel like I'm still being impacted by it now mm-hmm. um in ways because of the fact that I'm trying to now like undo mm-hmm. what happened yeah like I'm repairing it and I'm trying to allow myself to be my true self yeah and be fully open I feel like the the thing that is stunted the most which I really hate is just like my creativity I used to beg my parents like when I was about to go to high school I begged them to send me to this one high school so I could like do dance mm-hmm. um there was like a artistic it was a creative like a performing arts high school that just opened up in Chicago. And my parents were like, no, you're not going to a school that just opened. They don't even have any like stats. So like the things that they were focused on, I was not worried about mm-hmm. them things. I was trying to tell them like, I literally don't care about school. Yeah. I keep telling y'all like, I'll do school. That could be the the happy medium. But also I, I don't care. Yeah. Like I truly and honestly do not care. So yes, uh, all those things, I feel like my twenties and now I'm trying to see what else. Oh, the receiving end of more abuse. Because you struggle with saying no, you struggle with boundaries. So you get yourself in situations where you're uncomfortable or you don't like what's happening and you feel like you should speak up, but either you don't want to rock the boat or mm-hmm. you just don't want to deal with the repercussions or what could possibly happen. So you don't say nothing. It's the people pleasing thing. It's the people pleasing thing. And, and the fear and anxiety that comes with rejection and disappointment. Yeah. When you tell someone no. Yeah. I feel like now I'm on the opposite end. Like we talk about doing stuff in extremes. That's what I was also talking to my counselor about that. Like I'm on the extreme end right now where I'm just like very selfish. And I feel okay with that because I've been a people pleaser my whole life. So Mm -hmm. it's like, if I have to be a little selfish right now, Mm -hmm. that's okay. Because I have to learn to get to the gray area. But it, like it's black or white before it's gray. I have to do either or. But I think my the one that I especially have had a hard time with and I'm still trying to get over is the standing up for myself part. Mm-hmm. Like when something is does not feel good or something is impacting me in a certain way to be able to speak up. Uh, I think a lot of times we fear that it's going to be way worse than what it is. Mm-hmm. Like if you speak up, you think that everybody's going to just kind of dismiss you or they're going to be rude to you or something. When a lot of times it's not that. Sometimes people just literally don't know that they're making you feel a certain type of way. And if you say it, they'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. But then the other side for me is like, I'm this overly empathetic person. So then I don't want to make other people feel bad because of how I feel. So I just take it. I'll be like, I guess I'll just take it on the chin. It's okay. (laughs) I feel that. (laughs) Which is not good. It's not good at all. It's not. So where do you feel like you typically see the patterns showing up? For myself? Mm -hmm. Um, I think in work, it's like I don't necessarily ask for what I want. Mm -hmm. Um, In relationships, 
I had this habit of um, of uh, not knowing how to communicate. And uh, even when I would be, you know, questioned about like, how are you thinking? How are you feeling? I would literally black blank out because mm. I'm like, I, I mean, in trauma response. I'm like, I don't like I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. why are you and nobody's asking? ever asked me that before. Like, yeah, what do you want from like, me? What do you want from me? And I literally wouldn't. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. And he's like, just talk to me. I'm like, say what? Like, yeah. what do you want me to say? Um, so I, I had that habit and it took a minute. But I, I finally I finally learned. Um, but I didn't know how to express what I wanted and what I needed from mm-hmm. people. I thought it would uh, cause too much friction or, you know, I hadn't quite learned that lesson yet. Or I Bless would blow you. up, you know, keep it in, resentful, resentful, and then blow Until, up. Boom. Yeah, I used to do that too. Yeah. Um, I feel like I never really blow up. It's always, I just like will slowly remove myself. Oh, like detachment? Mm-hmm. I just get very detached because I don't want the conflict. And so I just will start to kind of like fade yeah. in the black. Like, okay, I was never here. None of this ever happened. Oh, I feel bad. It's just so I don't have to deal with the actual conflict. But I feel like it shows up a lot for me, like what you said in my work life. Mm-hmm. I don't ask for what I want. I don't necessarily demand the respect that I have earned from, mm-hmm. you know, the work that I've done or from the position that I hold like I don't I don't speak up for myself so a lot of times I end up I think in work situations getting mistreated Mm. or I just get avoidant like what I get in relationships where I just kind of like pull myself back from like overextending so that I don't get into situations where people like expect more of me and place like expectations onto me. Like it's better that you think I can do nothing. I actually hate expectations. I actually, I do that at jobs where I, well, I'll only do that for a short period of time. I'll do that at jobs where I'll act dumb and I like really don't act like I don't know what's going on. So people don't have expectations of me. Mm -hmm. And then after like, after I feel like I really know the job, then I'll actually start trying because I felt competent enough and I know like, then they'll be like, oh, oh my God, look at you go. Mm-hmm. But before I act so stupid. And that's another symptom, like having the imposter syndrome yeah. thing, like feeling like, oh, okay, like I'm here, but I also don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to save face by acting like I know absolutely nothing yeah. <laughs> until I do know something. Pretty much. Okay. This is all, we're almost at the closing, but this is just like such a good topic because I feel like a lot of people have dealt with this. If you grew up mm. with strict parents, you know, I thought which about, is a lot of black people. I thought, you know, I thought about what I thought they're the poster children for this. Who? PKs. Man, I had, so that's I, on a different level. So for a minute, that's on a totally different level. I had a type for PKs. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was my type. Uh-huh. Um, but I realized like PKs have it bad. Cause they they legit feel like they have the and they do have they to live do. a double life in order to like survive. They do, and that's why a lot of them end up going buck wild because it, it leads to this impulsiveness. Mm-hmm. It's like you can only restrain yourself so much from like being your authentic self, and then they're like wildly impulsive. Yeah, because they're not really allowed to fall down and make mistakes mm-hmm. because the mistakes that they make also impact their family or yeah, it's just like it's not just you. It's, it's like everybody. S- Almost it's political. It is political. It's <laughs> he said it almost. It is political. I have seen it yeah. firsthand, y'all. I had real experience with it. It's I just can't absolutely imagine. Political. I cannot imagine. I've seen it. Really does crumble the mind. I've man. My ex was fucked. He still is fucked up, 
because he's still in the environment. I'm like, just get out. That's so it's sad. Like, it's like a cult. <laughs> just get out. Not it's like a cult. Just get out. <laughs> I'm so weak. I feel so bad for him. Okay, so wait. In what ways has being the good kid held you back in your adult life? I think we talked about a couple. I mean, you know, uh, learning to deal with my anxiety of rejection and and fear of being discarded or not good enough, dealing with self-esteem issues, learning boundaries later than I feel like most people. Actually, I'm starting to realize, like, we're all learning boundaries from at the same we time. We are constantly up. learning boundaries. We're all up. <laughs> we are. <laughs> because it's new. No, yeah. Like, when we were kids... Our parents weren't talking about freaking boundaries with people and all that stuff. I can't wait to teach. You know what? In some ways, I'm very excited to be a parent because I feel like I am equipped. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, uh, are. learning how to cope or not really learning how to cope well. Oh, that's good. Because of the extremes and the impulsiveness and the double life that I had to live. Mm-hmm. Um. Let me think. I already said struggle making choices. Heavy on that one because I still struggle with that shit. Making I, choices? Yeah. I think that's it. Oh, fear of control or even the dynamic of control that started. Mm -hmm. Um, And that comes from like, you know, the struggle with making choices because it's all like they make the choices for you. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's all I got. Damn. Okay. Mine. I constantly feel like an imposter. Hello. Like I have to really make myself feel like I deserve to be in spaces. And that's really difficult. Gotta hype yourself up. It's almost, and it's every space. And that's how I know that it's truly imposter syndrome because it's not like there are some spaces that I go to like, oh yeah, this is my jam. Like, no, I constantly feel like that. If I enter a new space, I feel like an imposter. Um, I choose not to work as hard because of the resentment from working hard for approval in childhood. So now I have this whole rebellious nature thing where Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't want to put in any effort because I was forced like to put in so much effort as a child to impress my parents. Like I did not care about school like that. Mm. And granted, like, yes, school is important and it teaches you a certain amount of work ethic and whatnot. But I'm just saying it wasn't, I was working to their standards of what they wanted my grades to be and not my own. Living by someone else's expectations. Yeah, Yeah. it was not what I actually wanted. I didn't care if I got a C in math because I was bad at math. So it was like, okay, a C is good enough for me. Like, I'm cool with that. But they're like, no, you should get A's in everything. I'm like, there are some classes that are just difficult. I'm not getting an A in physics. That's not happening. Um, Feeling like I have to hide my emotional side and creativity because it was not received well as a child. I was Mm. constantly called just hypersensitive about everything. And granted, I didn't necessarily know how to hone in on being an emotional person, Mm -hmm. uh, which will make me react just like very wildly sensitive. And you were defensive. Yeah. Of your, of your. Yeah. And my immediate re- reaction is to cry. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm going to cry now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just have had a really hard time now leaning back into that, like giving myself the space to be emotional in that same way, because I know that it hasn't necessarily been received well. And my creativity hasn't always been received well either, yeah. because that was something that I wanted to really embrace as a child. And I was turned away from it because it didn't create the stable life that my family wanted for me and all the things. And so I was told that Mm -hmm. creativity is more of a hobby than it is a profession when I'm literally called to be a creative person. 
So yes, I was uh, doing everything too. Doing all the things. I was doing all the things. Mm-hmm. And they just make you feel like, oh, it's just a hobby. It's like, no, but what if I want to do this for my life? Like, why don't you empower me to do these things? Okay. And then the last one that I have was just that being discouraged, discouraged. Hello. What are we talking? What language? Being discouraged by criticism instead of empowered to change. Oh, I see. So criticism, unless it's like packaged really nicely and has a bow on it Mm -hmm. it doesn't motivate me I'm not the type of person that's like I'll show you like I'll show you that I'm better than that I'm like um yeah you're right uh that's me you know I was I was talking to someone recently they're like yeah someone tells me I can't do something I I want to prove them wrong I'm like really I'm the opposite I'm like shoot you're probably right yeah and I I just stopped that's that's so bad so bad it's not good I have to be able to find ways to package it for myself the way I need to receive it like people are not gonna always give you criticism the exact way that you receive it you have to still be okay with receiving it and trying to push forward yeah i just get very unmotivated to change okay so in closing so what changes are you committed to making to overcome good child syndrome (laughs) do you want me to go first yeah okay while you think okay so i said that i think i am in the learning phase of overcoming good child syndrome which is why at times i feel selfish by setting boundaries Mm -hmm. that prioritize my own feelings instead of considering how those things will directly impact others um sometimes it takes learning things in extremes i talked about this already um in order to find the balance once i understand how to prioritize myself i will be able to be more balanced in my approach to self and others i am working to enjoy learning and creating structure for my own life because learning or school was the pedestal i was held to as a child i have had a hard time pushing myself to learn new things knowing there is a transition period between learning and excelling uh this has caused me to stick to the things i'm good at instead of showing myself grace knowing that i will not be perfect and receive the approval of whoever i am trying to reach at the beginning stages i have to hold my own approval to a higher standard and then the last thing is i am trying to not ask for advice when it isn't needed. This is allowing me to build up confidence in myself and my own intuitions. Turning to others is a habit I have developed to discredit my own inclinations. Hmm. Okay. Um, I think minds are just um, the imposter syndrome thing. I still need recovery Mm -hmm. um, from that. And then learning to kind of hold myself accountable without someone having to yell at me. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Do you like getting yelled at? Does it help you? Uh, I mean, someone else to hold me accountable. Yeah. That's Can you yell I, at yourself? No, it don't work the same. <laughs> you can't put up like post-it notes yelling at yourself around your house. You know, after a while, I started ignoring them. Oh notes. god, and actually, I was like, not even there. <laughs> Maybe you should put reminders in your phone. They could just like pop up. No, I mean, I think I, I think discipline just takes repetition and mm-hmm. i just need to keep on the repetition it's, doing it's the grit which yeah. is like keeping it going. the grit um i mean i'm getting there don't get me wrong i'm not like terrible terrible but mm-hmm. i'm not as good as i would like to be yeah yeah which it takes time like giving yourself the grace like i said to learn yeah. and grow in it yeah, yeah. okay so we asked on ig about how you all feel about some things about growing up as the good kid and how it has impacted you as an adult. 
And we got a decent amount of responses. Yeah. Yeah. So the question exactly that I asked is, like I said, how has growing up as the good kid impacted you as an adult? So Z. Shanice says, expecting others to also make good judgment and getting frustrated when they don't. Mm. So because she grew up as the good ch- child and she has had good judgment, she gets mad when other people don't also have good judgment. Yeah. I feel like that has been agitating for me as well because I've always, I'm like the mom friend. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like it impacts me as much now. I feel like it impacted me more in college mm-hmm. because that was when I actually was impacted by other people making bad choices. I'd be like, what's going on? Like, can we think? Can we use our brains? I'm dead. No. Okay. You want to read one? Are you looking? Um, Let's see. Rashida Janae underscore, underscore. Wait, make sure it's the right one because it's two of them. What do you mean? Oh, you put two things, uh-huh. two prompts? I did for both of the episodes. Okay. Um, she answered, uh, recovering people pleaser, the never ending anxiety of failure. She feels it. Mm-hmm. She feels that. We, we Let me see another through. one that, that resonates. Please. She's stressing me out. Okay. Um, ideal. I, idea love says dealing with crippling shame and unworthiness till oh this God. day about actions that were not good. Oh, I replay events over and over in my head a million and one time. Charday Catrice says that she feels like she can't make any mistakes. Like she has to be perfect. And she's very hard on herself. Mm. That's real, girl. That is real. Oh, here's here's for the people who grew up with siblings. Um, oh, I lost it. I know which one you're talking about. I saw it too. Oh, here it is. Rebecca dot Jane. Oh, Rebecca dot Jane <laughs> said my family expects me to take responsibility for all of my siblings and put all their problems on me. That's why I hear that's a that's an older child thing. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. That. I do not envy that. Yeah, that is a lot. Because then they ain't even my kids. Them, I I feel really <laughs> bad for. The and maybe we should have somebody on here who has grown up as like an older I sibling because I feel so bad for the people who had to basically grow up as a third parent mm-hmm. or the or the missing or absent parent they've had mm-hmm. to take that role. I just feel like that's so terrible, yeah, because they didn't get their childhood. Okay, y'all. So, last thing before we go, here are some ways to overcome good child syndrome. So, ask for what you want. Those with good child syndrome may have a hard time speaking up. Exercise doing this. The worst they will say is no, and you're back at square one. You will not develop a skill. You don't practice, and you will be surprised. More people will say yes than what you think. Stop overly apologizing. Sometimes we say sorry in excess. Everything is not worthy of apologizing. I have that bad. I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what, girl? Did nothing happen. Ain't nothing to apologize about. Put yourself first. It's okay to say no. Exercise healthy disagreements. You don't always have to think the same as people. Set boundaries. This includes sharing with, with, those, with those people what your boundaries are. And then when someone oversteps, be sure to share this. If continued, then remove this person from your life. And lastly, you don't have to be liked by everyone. Focus more energy on those who that do love you and connect with and connect with you than those who do not. Thanks. And some of this was from coaching online, but some of it was my stuff mixed in. Um, but that's all we got. So make sure you all are 
following us on Instagram. Subscribe to us on YouTube. YouTube is fill in the blank podcast. And on YouTube, if you're listening to this and you're not watching, you should go to YouTube and hit the thumbs up. Leave us a little comment. It's good for us, guys. Like we need that. Subscribe to the channel if you love us and you want to see us grow. Oh, and you want to see us grow and me smash my head into the mic on accident. Then go to YouTube. Okay. On the Tic Tac, we are, dang, it's been a long time. Fill in the blank pod. Yeah. Fill in the blank pod on the Tic Tac. Um, on YouTube. No, YouTube. I've already done that. On Instagram, we are fill in the blank underscore. My Instagram is it's K dot G. It's K-A-Y dot G. And Ayana is at Ayana.amore. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.